Welcome back on a come back on a third. I know normally we come to you on Friday, but this was the day that I really wanted to get Tom Fitton on. Non, it's a day that Tom had. He's been on the podcast cast a few times. Tom Fitton with Judicial Watch, who's been doing some phenomenal work. Um, very frustrating for someone like me, me, who sit through Congress, deal with the, deal with the corrupt, yeah, corrupt FBI. Meanwhile, as we asked for documents, for for text messages, that sort of thing, we were told we we were told we had them all. Uh, had them all many, many times, many times. Uh, but Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch stayed with it. They stayed active, and they uh, and they were able to get uh, the court to admit uh, this week. Uh, there's some break, breaking news involving Strzok and Page, who you know were under subpoena by the House and House Intelligence Committee uh, in the day. Um, um, but we're mainly going to get some additional information, which is a little bit shocking. Tom, welcome back. Welcome back uh, to Cast. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. You, you being here. Hey, Devin, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's been a long battle, and it, and it's not over. You know, I was looking. Yeah. I was looking first when we first were talking about, you know, because I was doing, I, I put out a tweet or two on this, and I retweeted a video where I was talking about messages we had obtained from this lawsuit. And I'm like, holy moly, this video is from 2018. Mm -hmm. So you know, this process began about six years ago, and you know, in our experience, um, obviously the FOIA law is one of the best transparency laws in the Western world, right? That gives us access to government information. But especially here in the District of Columbia, the courts are deferential to the government. And in that case, and in so many other cases, the government comes in and says, you know, it doesn't matter how important the issue is oh, uh, and, and the urgency of the public's right to know, they said, well, we can only look at 500 pages per month. And you're lucky, you know, and of course, that doesn't mean you'll get those 500 pages. They'll just give you what they'll give you uh, and withhold others. And that's what happened with the, the struck page materials. And then it turns out, you know, years later, and we've gotten many key text messages. And, you know, we can talk about struck and page and how those text messages exposed uh, their anti-Trump bias, um, Congress helped obtain, and obviously Judicial Watch had been pressuring for separate, uh, separately, that uh, they had 1,500 pages of records that uh, other agencies or components of the Justice Department, so the agency itself, was looking at before they could release. And the court's like, well, what's going on here? And the, you know, two months ago, and the lawyer said, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know. So he came back and said he'll give us they'll give us the releasable material within three months. So six years later, we're still waiting for the Justice Department to comply with FOIA law. And by the way, now we have to consider after those because we have to wait till the end of the case, right, to figure mm -hmm. out if they withheld anything improperly and fight about that. So in many ways, FOIA is, you know, a, a key law, uh, but it's really it, it's often dysfunctional with the way District of Columbia federal court judges have applied it in, in allowing agencies to ignore the law initially. And then once they do, it, it takes forever and a day, a day to get the records. Now, we're happy to get the records whenever we get them, but, you know, that's not the way the law was designed or intended to work. Tom, I want to remind uh, our viewers uh, uh, just who it is because um, this has been a long time ago. Uh, yeah, but, that's true. I presume everyone knows who Struck and Page yeah. are, but who knows? 
Yeah, and we actually have a clip from my former colleague, Trey Gowdy, questioning Brock uh, uh, about these text messages that was that went back and forth. So, and just to put it in perspective, Strzok and Page were both around and working on the Russia Gate hoax that they set up President Trump with. Um, I don't. I think we still don't have a lot of clarity on on their total involvement, but they were clearly uh, intricate involved. And I would say that it really took the initial text messages getting out that finally forced the hand of the kind of the corrupt Justice Department. Ironically, under under Trump, that Trump they had no control under, even 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 though he was president. Uh, they continued to set him up. They slow walked. They slow walked everything in our investigation. Imagine if we had received even the even the stuff we did in 2018, Tom. Imagine if we had received that right in the beginning of 2017, when clearly the Justice Department knew about all of these conflicts and the and the, and the challenges. Right. Um, they, had, they tried to hide that from you all. Uh, right. They had, they had fired Strzok from the special counsel investigation, and they only told Congress about it a month or two later. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it it just further highlights the you know no holds barred corruption. Uh, at the Justice Department when it came to targeting Trump. But go ahead. I don't want to interfere with uh, the educational clip you have. Well, yeah, let me uh, let's play the clip of Trey Gowdy questioning Peter Strzok uh, way back in the day. In March of 2016, you wrote God, Hillary should win 100 million to zero. And I'm assuming Hillary would be former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. That's correct. All right. In March of 2016, weren't you investigating her for potential mishandling of classified information? We were. Had you interviewed her yet? Uh, no. Had you interviewed more than 30 other witnesses that wound up being interviewed? Uh, I would have to check the case file, but I'll take your representation. That's well, if she had said something incriminating in your interview that took place months later of her, of, of her would she have won 100 million to zero then? Uh, likely not, no. Well, then why wouldn't you wait until the investigation was over before you have her the nominee and winning a general election against an opponent that hadn't even been named yet. A hundred million to zero, Agent Strzok? That's how bad she should win? Mr. Gowdy, those personal expressions of my observing the political process of the presidential primaries had no bearing on my actions of any investigation to include the investigation of Secretary Clinton. You couldn't think or of anybody else. Sir, you couldn't think may. of a single person that would not vote for Hillary Clinton for president? A hundred million to zero, Agent Strzok? Was... Well, there you go, Tom. Our good, our good friend Peter Strzok. Now, now no one at the Hillary Clinton investigation should never amounted to anything. Uh, even though she was Secretary of State, the you know, it's 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 kind of rather ironic and at the docu document on Mar-a-Lago today compared to what happened back in the day with Hillary Clinton and Clinton and the servers uh, being destroyed, some destroyed some thousand emails that were on a private server. We, we still have it uh, to this day. Uh, but Tom, um, what do you expect with what, what is still, what do you believe is still out there that the judge, is there, is there anything that we can, we can identify in terms of, like you said, you mentioned 1500 pages. So is that, do we know it's 1,500, 1,500 pages? Do we think it's us? Uh, and then when and when will we get this information public? Yeah, you know, the question is, why did they feel the need to kick the pages over to other agencies or other components of the Justice Department? And remember, these are FBI records, right? 
So who, what were the equities others had? Was it, you know, the CIA? Was it the NSA? Was it the State Department? You know, all these other agencies who, you know, who, who, who had their hands in their analysis here? You know, this was the most senior, the second most senior intelligence official in the FBI, right? And am I right on that, Devin? He was number two, right? Um, well, McKay's, I believe that um, was he was deputy, deputy counterintel guy, wasn't he? Yeah, and then Struck, and I and I believe Struck was the was the lead investigator. Uh, right, I mean, he was the lead investigator, but he was a senior counterintelligence official in the FBI. That's correct. So that's why he what you know there was nothing inappropriate other than his evident hatred for Trump and uh, that made him. You know, he was the guy who ordinarily would be running both investigations or be responsible in part for them. And of course, he was using Lisa Page, who was just a lawyer in the FBI, as a cutout to communicate and and manage the investigation uh, with their boss, whose name I'm forgetting right now. The McCabe, uh, McCabe, McCabe the execrable Mr. McCabe, yep. who uh, who was also a, a, a partisan against Trump. And uh, you know the. This, to me, serves as a reminder that despite all this misconduct, there's been virtually no accountability for the FBI. To the degree Durham did anything, it was half-baked and inconsequential. Uh, Klein, the FBI official who uh, was prosecuted by Trump, got, uh, by, by Durham, got off with a slap on the wrist. He's still a practicing lawyer, despite him lying on FISA warrants. Uh, the evidence is overwhelming, is powerful that they manipulated both the Clinton and the Trump investigations to try to interfere in the election. And certainly after Trump was elected, they worked together to try to derail Trump in a seditious insurrectionist effort, dare I say it. You know, this, this is the context, I think, that we have to bring forward in the current Justice Department jihad against Trump by folks with the same attitude, and the same hatreds mm -hmm. over Washington, Washington, D.C. Tom, you know, and that's why we've talked about it before. Last time you were on, I mean, the, the solutions for the Department of Justice and the FBI are not, are not easy. Um, you know, the Congress has got to prioritize it uh, at some point. And I've, I've you know, obviously the, the House Republicans talk about it, about it a little bit. Um, we don't see outside of a few senators that are doing a good job. We don't see a lot of Republican senators actually actually highlight we have a totally corrupt, corrupt justice in, in FBI right now. Yeah, you know, the challenge is, I mean, they've, they've been, we've been getting some good information. I mean, Chuck Grassley obviously has been doing the Lord's work and getting some of this information out, Ron Johnson, and the agencies were trying to thwart them and, and, and manipulate them as well, uh, just like they tried to do to you when you're head of the Intelligence Committee on the House side. Uh, and obviously, there's good information coming out from um, their compatriots in the House, Nunes and, and Comer and, and uh, the IRS committee, Ways and Means Committee on the Hunter schemes. But, you know, Judicial Watch can get information out, right? We can do investigations, right? Those, you know, it's not to say they don't do them, but that's not the, the American people want accountability. So are we going to keep on funding this abuse? Why do they keep on funding the abuse? Are they going to, is there going to be any accountability? Is there going to be impeachment, criminal referral, you name it, for mm -hmm. these agencies? And in the case of 
you know, FISA, and I know there are renewals related to national security. You know, I think the American people might have more confidence in, quote, renewing uh, these these powers if those who violated the prior sets of rules lost their jobs mm -hmm. or were fired or sanctioned by the courts. I mean, one of the incredible things I found in Judicial Watch's investigation of the FISA warrants first brought to the national attention by you, the FISA warrants were essentially spy warrants directly and indirectly targeting Trump, uh, was that they had these warrants, secret warrants, essentially, for these foreign intelligence surveillance courts. And so they go in, they get permission. There's no one on the other side. So, you know, that there's a certain amount of, um, you know, the, the confidence and the integrity is super important in those contexts because the Justice Department has no real check other than from the court because there's no opponent. But those warrants were approved targeting a presidential campaign and then a sitting president without one court hearing. They never brought the because we asked give us give us records of transcripts. Or whatever. They told us there's, there were no hearings. I mean, so well, look, who's who's minding the store? Yeah, but Tom, that that's in the past. In the past, and that's bad. And that is is is, is the corruption continues. Uh, uh, just this week, the Federalist uh, broke this story. We heard a little bit about it in the, in the past, but in relation to the DOJ being Trump again. Uh, in multiple uh, areas, uh, but uh, the special counsel, they call him Jack Smith, Smith uh, granted a subpoena uh, to go and look at Donald Trump's, Trump's Twitter users uh, and who liked and liked and followed Donald Trump's account um, is a rather, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, that's a, a really broad subpoena. Uh, I would think, and I don't think, and I don't know if you have any experience uh, or have reviewed this subpoena. I mean, I, I looked at the subpoena. You know, it's been out there since August. So, you know, I guess we should have looked at it more carefully sooner mm -hmm. uh, because people are outraged that they punish Twitter for daring to um, ask questions about why they can't sp speak about the subpoena. But the elements of the subpoena are astonishing. And this is a case where the courts approved it, right? The, the initial let anti-Trump judge approved it. So they're investing, you know, in theory, they're investigating Trump. They want some Twitter material. I, I you know, in theory, you know, presuming the investigation is valid, uh, you know, that's not an unreasonable um, effort. But in doing so, they sought the names and the user account information of everyone who was following him, retweeting him, or even mentioning him in a tweet. So if I tweeted, you know, real Donald Trump, use his Twitter handle, you know, should save the country by putting Devin Nunes as head of the CIA, that Justice Department would have gotten that tweet. Mm -hmm. So now millions of Americans who were following Donald Trump um, around, you know, the end of the year of 2020 and beginning of 2021, I think it may even be broader than that, now have their... They're all their stuff on Twitter related to this, including some really detailed computer information in files in the in Biden's Justice Department uh, with Jack Smith. Remember, this is a secret subpoena initially. Twitter didn't fight the scope of the subpoena, which I think they should have. They fought their the restriction on them telling being able to tell anybody about what they were being asked to do. 
And I, you know, and of course, it's no surprise to me because I testified to the grand jury. I was harassed before the grand jury by Jack Smith's team. And they spent a good deal of time questioning me about my tweets. It was, you know, it was both comical and outrageous at the same time because I think my tweets are pretty darn good. And so I'm happy to read them into the record <laughs> and, and, and tell some truth there. And but, just so we uh, make, make sure everybody knows, you can follow Tom on True Socially, socially, he named content on True Social. But Tom's talking about back in the day in 2000, 2020, the tweets during that during that important time period, uh, to, or, you know, or, you know, late 2020, early 2021. Well, they were asking me about tweets from this year or last year. I guess I testified in February. Mm-hmm. So it's and and I thought that I thought it was a weird focus because they you know they were like well as you know I guess they were thinking that Trump was colluding with me on tweets or I was writing you know his his avatar putting out tweets it was insane, um, but evidently it wasn't just me they're interested in they're interested in you dear listener dear viewer I mean I I can't. Uh, you know, and who knows what else they've done? I don't know what else they've done. Did they do similar activity targeting Facebook? Maybe Facebook well, never fought. Maybe there's no court fight for them to have to disclose ultimately. Maybe right. we'll find out in the course of their um, uh, political prosecution of Trump. But this is this is an operation by a politicized police agency at the federal level, the Justice Department and the FBI. This is the political police for Joe Biden sniffing around your tweets and spying on you. And and Trump said they have to come through me to get to you. If this doesn't prove that, I don't know what will. Right. Well, that's a good segue, Tom, to, uh, you know, just uh, this week, uh, another Obama-appointed judge, Chunkin, uh, uh, who was present over the Trump trial um, in Washington, D.C. on the election issues, uh, denied uh, the, uh, the Trump uh, team's subpoena for documents relating to the January 6th committee and up pops, you know, our old friend. Let's just give people people a little bit of course on the January 6th committee. It was stood up by Congress. I was I was there. I'm, uh, they did not allow the Republicans to participate. Uh, the speak the uh, Republican leader at the time tried to put uh, put uh, Jim charge of that. Uh, that was Pelosi denied that. Um, and she decided, she decided who went on there would be two of the, of the most well-known Trump, not I don't think they're even Republican anymore, uh, former Rep Liz Cheney and Rep Kinzinger. Uh, um, but friend uh, Adam Schiff, Schiff uh, you know, just to give people a reminder, uh, show him uh, what happened, show everyone what happened at the January 6th hearing. We'll play this video uh, and get you to comment, Tom. Tom. I believe in this country and I believe in it because of people like you. Uh, who understand what the flag means and what our Constitution means and risk their lives to defend it. I'd like to thank, uh, uh, as Amanda Gorman so eloquently said, uh, that we're not broken, we're just unfinished. Because if we're no longer committed to a peaceful transfer of power after our elections, uh, if our side doesn't win, then God help us. We deem elections illegitimate merely because they didn't go our way rather than trying to do better the next time, and God help us. 
And if we're so driven by bigotry and hate that we attack our fellow citizens as traitors, if they're born in another country or they don't look like us, God help us. But I have faith because of folks like you. And I, Adam, I didn't expect this would be quite so emotional either, but it must be an Adam thing today. Uh, but I'm so grateful to all of you. And with that, Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Tom. Was Adam Schiff describing himself? I think I know. one who didn't who didn't accept the elections of 2016. I know, I know. I uh, tried to and overturn the election. So that was part of the January 6th, right? That was yes. part of the committee there. He was running it uh, in part. Um, and they were working hand in glove with the Justice Department to go after Trump. Remember, the Justice Department initially rejected these entreaties to go after Trump related to January 6th. And then Joe Biden started yelling, we need to prosecute Trump. And, and it was leaked to the Washington Post and other news companies. And so Garland and let the dogs go after Trump, let the hounds in the Justice Department go after Trump on uh, for daring to dispute his election in 2020. And in order to do so, they relied on the January 6th committee's investigation. I know that because I was questioned before the grand jury. And of course, you know, they didn't want me to talk about any of this, by the way, Devin. They had one of the U.S. attorneys, one of Smith's top deputies said, hey, are you going to talk about this? I said, I don't know. He asked me it three times, and I said, I don't know. And then he's like, well, by the way, you're allowed to talk about it. I said, well, what are you, what are you doing here? It certainly sounds pretty chilling from what the way you're asking me. And he was trying to suggest they didn't have the right to talk about it. So I, I saw what was going on. And the idea that this judge who is who hates Trump, too, is an unbiased jur jurist, is is a joke. And Trump is not going to get a fair trial. Uh, he's going to be convicted if this trial goes forward. And they want to put him in jail before the election. And my question to our friends in Congress is, what are they going to do about it? Why are they funding this? I mean, after this, the detail has been understood about this Twitter subpoena, the Justice Department should be shut down. You know, I say that I overstate the, you know, I, I overstate myself to make the point there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the Justice Department's investigations of Trump should be frozen and shut down. And I tell you what, if that ain't worth shutting the government down over, to stop the Justice Department from rigging our election by trying to jail the number one candidate for the presidency, I don't know what would be. Yeah. Of course, I have a few other things that should cause the government to be shut down. But, you know, I, this is just incredible. And I'm, I'm frankly tired of the Republicans getting distracted by budget processes. And I'm talking about many of our conservative friends there. They just they got to focus on the threat to the republic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's, it these prosecutions, the invasion, whatever, the censorship, get it stopped. And we can't wait till next year. Challenge, Tom, is also we have this, you know, you know, strange. I, I mentioned earlier the challenges in the Senate 
um, who uh, you, you, you properly mentioned Grassley and Ron Johnson, who are doing a phenomenal job and have been for many, many, for many, many years, helped us all. Um, um, but I agree with you that you have to prioritize the most important issues that matter right now. Right now, And they're bigger than the, it, it, the it, it's just what the DOJ and corrupt FBI is doing. It's the courts. It's all of this, all of this. Just, and then God only knows what's happening in Pennsylvania right, right now and Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, where this election is, Arizona for that matter, which is where this election is going to be decided. Uh, and, and Tom, I don't, you know, I don't know if you even have an opinion on this, on this. I'm, I'm sure you do. Um, they're, they're continuing, the who many of the people there, there I know and I've worked with. Um, and look, I understand they did a couple, they did a couple, um, but the, but now, now it's looking ridiculous. Um, and they're going to do another debate this week. Nobody's going to watch it or next week, I think. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, you have at best, let's give the house guys are at least attempting to do something. Uh, the Senate leader leadership is doing nothing. This, this corruption ish, issue that leads. And I, and I plan to one, it's the, it's the DOJ corruption and what's going to happen in the 2024 election. It's all together, all together. And look, they don't like Trump. It's their, it's their opinion. They have to like Trump. But the reality is the Republican Party is supporting Donald Trump. He's got the best polls he's ever had. And the RNC is there, is there to promote and support candidates to make sure the elections are fair. Are fair. And I don't know that the RNC, number one, even has the money. Uh, and what are they doing for the election integrity right now? And I, I think I just, I just want to get your opinion on this, the current current status. Well, they're, doing, they're doing more the than they used to do, but it's not sufficient, right? And and I, you know, you're talking about these priorities, and and and, and I generally agree. Uh, and if I were advising the opponents of President Trump in the primary, you know, I, I'd make the point that um, it, it, this isn't about who should be the president. This is about what is it you think about the misuse of government power by the Biden administration to try to jail someone in retaliation for First Amendment related speech in a national election? And the idea that there would be this kind of silence or, oh, there's not much I can say about it by any candidate is, is to me unacceptable. And I think all the candidates and every Republican and frankly, any honest Democrats, and there are certainly there are honest Democrat voters, uh, they're poorly served by the party, uh, should be objecting to this. I, I really fear for the future of our republic. I tell you, if the Justice Department now is easily used to jail, you know, and it's happened in the past. We've had political prosecutions in the past. But here it's brazen and they're embracing it. And that's how you lose a republic. Yeah. To, to allow that to go by without much objection or or to the degree it's objection, it's pro forma. They say, well, well, I don't like the abuse. And that's to me, that's not sufficient. Yeah. Look, I've only I've, I've actually I've actually said you're not. I mean, well, we've had some of these candidates that were given debate stage that, that are actually promoting what the Justice Department is doing. And those people should be nowhere near the we're near the Republican Party. Um, and I think you said it right, said it right and said different ways. But. You don't have to support Trump, but the process is super important for moving forward. And having a Justice Department 
mired down into these, you know, into these made up crimes. And that and that really is what it is. I mean, you've got the Justice Department and other attorneys, most notably uh, in the state of New York, in the state of, of uh, Atlanta or uh, the, the city of Atlanta, Atlanta, all working in concert and concert together to just go go after them. And, and and there should be everybody on that stage should be saying that that is that is that is acceptable. Every member of the Senate, every member of the House on the Republican side, the RNC should all be. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, let's say it's someone other than Trump in November, however unlikely that might be. Do you think the Democrats are going to stop threatening to put people in jail for objecting the way the elections are being run and raising questions about whether they're honest and legitimate? No. This, yeah. isn't, this is about, and, and so the idea that as a candidate, you would ignore opponents breaking the law and violating the civil rights of your opponent because there's a short-term political gain, I, I don't understand the value of that. But I, Well, Tom, I, to, your point, to your point that they're not going to stop there, and I want to cover one more topic that's related uh, to, to this about others being targeted. Um, Judicial Watch has been doing some some additional uh, on the FBI and how they're treating Catholics. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Myself as a Catholic, um, you, you recently received FBI records uh, re- regarding this, the targeting of Catholics. And I think, and I think, if it wasn't for you guys, um, we would that we would get in, that we would get any of this information. Uh, but do you have any, have any new information on this uh, on the targeting of Catholics by the FBI? That, by the way, the FBI director DOJ have denied. Yeah. So uh, initially they said it was like a one-off thing. We since then have learned that it was broader than just Richmond. So what was happening in Richmond was they created some sort of intelligence document directing FBI and uh, and national security apparatus to target, quote, traditionalist Catholics. Because they think evidently, you know, being in favor of the Latin mask and mass and other traditional Catholic views makes you a terrorist threat. And they talked about talking to priests and parishioners essentially having the FBI spy on you in the, in your church pew. And that became, that became public uh, thanks to, I think, a whistleblower. And the FBI quickly ran away from that uh, in a dishonest way by suggesting it, it was really just a mistake as opposed to a kind of a comprehensive effort, which it turned out to be. And we sued for records along with our friends at Catholic Vote. And we just got new records showing that as as once the news started hitting, you know, it was the panic mode at FBI leadership. I mean, they weren't outraged. There's like, oh, boy, this is this is going to be bad for us. And so, you know, the kind of casual I kind of saw the panic was more a political panic as opposed to a principled one. Right. Yeah. Which shows that they were definitely targeting targeting Catholics. And do we know do we know the extent uh that they were, you know, I mean, I guess it was not only just, I know originally it was in the, was in the Virginia area, uh, but it sounds like, like it was actually, you know, possibly, possibly all over the country. Yeah. And this is why we've got the lawsuit because, you know, much of what we've learned is, has come from whistleblowers. Right. And, you know, we all know how they're treated and they can only provide certain information and are prohibited by law from providing other information. They don't have access to necessarily all the documents They may not even know about all the information. And so that's why it's important that these folks be hauled in. 
And, you know, and if I were in Congress and I were running these investigations, I'd be hauling these folks in on an emergency basis almost weekly. You know, mm -hmm. Twitter, you know, this Twitter, uh, once we understood this Twitter subpoena, Jack Smith should have been called in immediately. It came out just the other day that uh, Hunter's lawyers are talking to White House counsel about their defense on a criminal case that the Justice Department is investigating. Those White House counsel lawyers should be called in immediately. There's an urgency here related to the rule of law that, uh, and I understand they, you know, the lawyers trying to, you know, try to be careful and go slow, uh, but you know, there's got to be a faster way to get to the truth here and get accountability. Uh, and impeachment needs to be seriously accelerated and broadened, and they need to have them impeached if they're going to do so uh, within 60 days. I mean, this is this is just going on too long as it is. I mean, what what? What, what what additional information do we need in order to impeach President Biden for or for someone to decide whether to impeach President Biden? Mm -hmm. Well, look, and they the left um, basically created this new normal. Um, and and I think you could and you could actually say in this case with Biden, although, you know, we're, you're, you're there covering all the evidence day by day and by day. I mean, I'm far, but yeah, the evidence damning. Um, and I think once you, and I think you're exactly right, you're going to find that all of these characters are all intertwined. Right? I mean, there is counsel uh, without under the direct supervision of Obama's people that are that are inside the, inside the DOJ that were running the Biden White House. I think think until now, um, I think now there is a, a there is a, a huge fight going on there between Team Obama and Biden. I think they want want Biden out tried to get the kid a sweet, a sweet, a sweet that didn't happen because a judge stepped in. Um, and now, you know, but the facts, you know, how many are to play this out, it, it becomes just the money uh, moving from multiple countries through different shell companies. Um, looks, looks, I'd call that evidence. You know, and, and I think there's urgency because our national security is on the line. You know, I, I've, I've probably discussed this with you before. Chairman Z and and Putin and our enemies make calculations for all different reasons in deciding what to do. And they recognize because they know directly that Biden's been on the take and has been compromised, A, by Russia money, B, by China money, and Lord knows what else. And the idea that President Z doesn't make that, you know, doesn't undergo you know, doesn't engage in, that, in an analysis of what Biden's about without factoring that in is, well, no one, no one seriously believes that to be the case. But because Washington's so corrupt, this president can go and visit with Chairman Xi in San Francisco, and virtually no one comments that he should have registered as a foreign agent under the new rules for right. China. And he hasn't yet. And they prosecuted people for less. Well, this is why why we love Tom Fittnage Watch. I've said this many times, this many times, Tom, but uh, are one of the few that when you're out there fighting on the front lines, uh, like I have, you know, like I had to do, um, you were always there. Uh, you were always there. You were steady. It wasn't Republican or Democrat, but just trying to hold government people, government leaders accountable. And there was nobody better than better than you. Anshul watch and just 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 says how can they i know they can follow you at tom fitton on true social um but if people want to help want to help out judicial watch
Oh yeah, they should they should help Judicial Watch because we're doing such great work. And I say that objectively. I'm no I'm no I'm just I'm not just the president of Judicial Watch, but I'm a I'm a citizen too, and I say that as a citizen. And uh, so judicialwatch.org, and obviously support our work, but get the word out. You know, because what you're saying, Devin, what I'm saying, and the material that we uncover uh, that's so important about uh, uh, detailing the government corruption and what ne then needs to be done about it. The more that know, the better. And that's why they target Judicial Watch. That's why the FBI came knocking on my door to harass me about my complaints about their abuse of Trump. We're, we're truth tellers. And the truth needs to get out. And that means a commitment on the part of everyone watching and listening uh, to share the wealth of information about and what that's up to. And that's what we do here at True Social. And Tom... Um, I want to thank you for for being on for being on today. We're gonna to have actually a list feature here at the end. I, I I caught some on True Social. It was take taken from a Victor Davis Hanson podcast, who most folks know uh, is from area of California, California, but one of mine's on the planet. And then I'm not sure who exactly put this together, but it's a great mon montage of gone crazy video monty video mont along with Victor Davis Hanson's. Uh, voice straight from straight from his podcast. So Tom, um, I know you don't drink wine, uh, but I'm saying I know your wife drinks wine. Oh yeah, so Kelly will love it. My new bottle of of, of the Patriot uh, Cabernet. I and, may I uh, may have a sip just in honor of you. Well, I hope I hope that congratulations you congratulations on the new on the new concern you got going. Well, look, it's, it's a hobby of mine, and it, and it's a lot of, and I like to share. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to remember when they attacked you because you were a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> I know, isn't it? Uh, it, 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 it cool. And it's yeah. They 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 always thought it was uh it was a problem. It shows how dis disconnected. Yeah, it's like he, are, he has a family running, farm. My God, well, farmer would be running an intel the intelligence committee as if that was like there was something wrong with farmers. Um, I guess you. Have, I guess you have to be a lawyer. You have to be a lawyer, I guess, in order to uh, run the intelligence. Former CIA guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Tom, Thank thanks you, a lot. Great. Great to see you. Uh, uh, have a great uh, holiday season. And and uh, we are going to go right into the Victor Davis Hanson clip, and we will catch all all of you next week. Thank you. Thank you. They look at Trump as a vampire, and they put a stake in his heart, but. They're afraid that that stake could come out any time, that he's undying, and they're afraid of him. They are <laughs> terrified of him. You know why they're terrified of him? Because they think he's smarter this time, and he has just caused to really get angry because of what they did to him. They can write all of the Atlantic Monthly, and they can write all of the New Yorker clever, glib little essays about Donald Trump was a threat to democracy, or they can write all their little Molly Ball time essays, how clever and brilliant they were with their cabals and their conspiracies to get rid of them. But deep down inside, they know that if the right ever did that to Barack Obama or Joe Biden, they could have really made something out of the fact that Barack Obama had a hot mic expose where he told the president of Russia, you tell Vladimir that I will be flexible on missile defense. That's the security of the United States of America.
if he gives me space in my last election. And Putin did do that. That's an impeachable offense if a phone call to Ukraine is. So they understand that, that the right could have done that to them. And they understand now the right probably will do that to them for their own survival. And they are scared. They're saying if, if a mega candidate wins and they win the House and the Senate were cooked because they're going to get special prosecutors and they're going to go after the Biden family like they've never gone after anybody. And they're going to find stuff because we know Joe is crooked. And then they're going to go after Mary Garland and they're going to go after Mayorkas and they're not going to stop. And that's why they're scared. And they're going to do any. Everybody thinks that the danger passed. They got what they wanted. No, 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 no. You're never going to yeah. see anything like what they're going to do in 2024. All of this could have been reconciled. All they had to do was say Donald Trump should not be president if that's what they believe. And we're not going to do any lawfare. We're not going to try to change the voting laws. We're not going to pack the court. We're not going to let in two states. We're not going to try to abolish the Senate filibuster. We're not going to try to change the uh, voting ID laws. We're just going to play under, under the rules that we have. We don't need $419 million by Mark Zuckerberg infused. We don't need Sam Bankman Freed, the crook, giving us $100 million. We're not going to go under the radar with George. So we're just going to show you, the American people, how we think Donald Trump should not be president and we'll have a feral and they can't do that they don't trust themselves they think you know what anybody in his right mind would close that border right now close the border anybody in his right mind would recall all of those da's that have destroyed these major cities anybody in his right mind would not beg the saudis or the venezuelans are the Russians, are the Iranians to pump oil on the eve of a midterm or drain the strategic petroleum when you have so much natural gas and oil? And you know, nobody in their right mind would do that. And nobody in their right mind would ever just pull out of Afghanistan without warning, just so Joe Biden can say that on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 or the original October uh, invasion of Afghanistan. I'm the president that got us out. Nobody would do that. And nobody would print $6 trillion when there's a pent up demand post COVID lockdown and there's a supply chain disruption and throw that money without any audit or ex examination of who got it and why and how it was spent, but to inflate the economy and ruin it. Nobody would do that. And so they know that. And they know that they can't take that record to the American people. They have a deductive mind because they're ideologue. So they start with a premise that we're for social justice and for equity of result. And so we're moral, morally superior and smarter than anybody else. And therefore, we are entitled to do things that other people don't do. And so if under the cover of COVID and frightening people about COVID, we can change all the voting laws so that 30% instead of voting absentee and early voting shall become 70% in most states with very little audit. Uh, of the level necessary to authenticate most ballots. They just do all this stuff because they start with the deductive principle. We are better. This is the vision. And therefore, the following must happen. And if things don't fit the narrative, then they go after the person. They censor it. They, they, that's how they work. And if you keep that in mind, then everybody makes sense. And what I'm saying is they go on from one lie to the next. So everybody now knows that Donald Trump, we just discussed it, was impeached for things that Joe Biden got away with. Okay, everybody knows the laptop was authentic. 
Everybody knows that now. Everybody knows that it would have made a big difference on that debate when Donald Trump said it was and Joe Biden said, no, 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 51 authorities. Everybody knew that Dushinko and Charles or whatever his name, Dolan and Christopher Steele were frauds and especially Glenn Simpson and that Hillary Clinton took over an old never Trumper file, inflated it with a million bucks got the FBI on it to hire Christopher Steele as a consultant informant, hid her so-called legal expenses, and she was fined and cited for that violation through Perkins Coe, Fusion GPS, DNC, and that that file was fraudulent. It was made up. I said that from the first time I saw it. Everything in it was false, and yet we wasted 22 months and $40 million to know it was obvious. No apology. In fact, not only no apologies, they got Pulitzer Prize winners, some of the reporters. Every time they give these monstrous lies, there's no apologies. They just, and they, and why should they? Because in their way, they're just narratives. They're postmodern, Foucauldian, Lacan, Derrida, Narada narratives. They were useful. So that's what they look back. Well, they were useful at the time because when we went through the Mueller investigation, when we went through the laptop, we crippled Donald Trump and therefore we were able to stop him. We had anonymous anonymous. He was burrowed deep into the Homeland Security. He was a minor official, but we said he was one of the major operatives in the Trump administration. We lied. And then we printed his op-ed because it did what it was supposed to do. It weakened this right-wing agenda, so they think. And we got Admiral McRaven, and he came in and wrote an op-ed and said Trump should leave the sooner the better. And then we got all of the four stars, McCaffrey, McChrystal, all of them, to say that Trump was Hitler, that he was Mussolini, that he was a liar, that he was danger. We got Mark Milley to call the Chinese. We did all of this. And yes, we do not want this to be done to us. If right now a retired four-star general says that Joe Biden is senile or he's dangerous or the Afghanistan is a disaster and he should be removed sooner or later or his weaponization of the DOJ or the FBI is Mussolini-like or his hounding of individual people at school boards or the way he conducted the Mar-a-Lago raid is remnant of it's Nazi-like. And I'm just quoting from what they've said. You know what's going to happen to those people? You're going to get Merrick Garland to call up the Pentagon and they're all going to be slapped with a Code 88 Uniform Code of Military Justice, and they're going to be court-martialed for disparaging the Commander-in-Chief. Trust me, they would in two seconds, and that's not going to happen. First, they're not going to say anything because they're not equally going to apply their standards of correct right. behavior on the part of the... And second all, they're going to say something with Donald Trump because they know that, that the media and the Pentagon are not going to do anything to them. Now, oh man, they would they would destroy them if they ever criticize the Commander-in-Chief. They would go after him like you wouldn't believe, and they know that. And so what we're talking about, I guess, to sum up and end this, they understand deterrence. They are saying to the American people, we are SOBs. We're capable of everything and anything. Now, which side do you want to be on? Because if you're on our side, you can do what Hunter Biden is. There's no consequences.
If you want to say that the voting machines are crooked like Jill Stein, go ahead. She did in 2016. If you want to be Barbara Boxer and 32 Democrats and say, you know what? We're not going to certify the Ohio count and hold up the whole election. We're going to try to do that. Don't worry. They got it. They did it in 2004. If you're Al Gore and the registrar and the attorney general says, well, the votes have been counted and they have been certified in Florida. Oh, no, we're going to sue. We're going to sue and hold up the entire election for a month. And so you can do all of that as long as you're on our side. But if you don't do that and you want to go on the other side, then you're going to be in big trouble. And that's that's the message that they're trying to say. That's what we're really getting down to. Join the winning side. It's sort of like in the Soviet Union. If you're part of the nomenclature and you join the party, you're exempt. If you're not, well, you're on your own. People say to me, well, you're an academic and you spent your whole life. How did you deal with those 94% of all academics are left wing? And I'm just using that percentage because that's a percentage of those who give money to political right. campaigns. 94% go to left wing or democratic causes. And, and they said, why are they so left wing? Is it they have tenure? They're exempt from the worrying about losing their job. They have guaranteed step increases. They have a nine month work year. Is it because they teach their one or two classes a semester? What is it? That makes them, are they idealistic because they deal with words or I didn't, I said, no, 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 no. They understand with, if you want to be, get tenure and you want to be promoted and you want to be liked, you just parrot the majority cause. If it paid better, they'd be fascist.